Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that travels the world to bring you the most important and exclusive stories from the real estate sector. And today we're heading into the exclusive world of branded residences. They range from fashion brands in particular, so Roberta Cavalli, Gianfranco Ferre, Diesel, Missoni, Elie Saab. And then in the automotive industry, we're going to see Bugatti, Aston Martin, Lamborghini. And we'll be asking how much COVID is going to impact this rapidly growing sector. There are certain things that are already changing um, in terms of having apps within residential schemes where you can essentially book spaces you know, within the amenities. There are going to be new uh, air filtration systems and the way that the flow of people around a residential scheme will be managed. I'm Guy Ruddle and joining me are three people. Two of them were here the last time we talked about branded residences a year ago and one is a newcomer to the podcast but by no means a newcomer to this sector. So Rian Itani is head of Savile's International Development Consultancy. He leads a team of surveyors advising developers, operators and brands all over the world. Rian, welcome back. Hi Guy, great to be here. And Paul Tostevin is uh, a well-known feature, I would say, of Real Estate Insights. He's head of Savills World Research. Paul, we're practically work colleagues, I'd say, by now. We, we are by now, aren't we? And our newcomer is Annabelle Dudley. She's an associate director in the International Development Sales Team, selling some of the most exciting projects across the globe. Annabelle, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure. So, Rian, let's start with you. I mean... As I said, we, we talked about this a year ago, and, and a year ago you explained what branded residences are. For, for anyone who wasn't listening then, do, do you want to just sort of do a quick summary again of what a branded residence is? Sure, no problem. So in its simplest form, a, a branded residential development is where a residential developer enters into a contract with a brand, and that's usually a hotel brand, but uh, in many cases it is a luxury goods or a fashion or an automotive brand, and uh, they sign a contract for that uh, for that company to brand their project, and in many cases to manage it uh, and to help with design and to provide unique features and amenities and services that makes that development stand out. One imagines that we're talking at the sort of more expensive end of the market here. Yeah, it, it does tend to be. But um, as we've seen through the course of this year, that that profile of the, the luxury versus non-luxury is changing. Because you know, when we were talking a year ago, it was all about, I mean, uh, Marriott and Four Seasons and, and that sort of level in the hotel market, but also Porsche, I think we were talking about, and a few other of those really high-end luxury brands. And and, and is it, it's changing away from that or adding to that, do you think? Well, it, it, it's a little bit of both. So in, in the non-hotelier market, it is still very much about those high-end uh, luxury goods, um, fashion, jewellery, uh, and various automotive industries which are, are coming into it. Um, from a hotelier perspective, uh, it is changing. So oh. there, is a, there is a diversification away from purely luxury products. Paul, um, again, you were part of the conversation a year ago, and we were talking about how this was a market which was sort of growing very rapidly, uh, and there were lots of uh, developments happening, and, and, and it was commanding a, a big premium on price and all that sort of stuff. Has it continued in the last year? It, it really has, yes. I mean, the number of brands that are participating in it has, has more than doubled in the last 10 years. Um, from about 60 to 130. And I think that's 
really testament to the fact that it's now a, a proven formula and really you know what started as an urban us focused thing is has moved really to reach every part of the globe all sizes of cities and now i think increasingly resort settings too and when you say all parts of the globe are other sort of outside the us other particular areas where it's really caught on yeah i mean we're seeing a real kind of shift in imbalance across the globe so the, the big growth area is asia pacific countries such as china and thailand um, middle east of course is growing very rapidly too led by the likes of dubai um, and you know this has really come as the demand base has broadened and, and a good example here is is thailand that taps into both growing domestic wealth in cities such as bangkok but also in resort settings. So Phuket, for example, is now one of the biggest centres for branded residences in the world. And that's thanks to its reputation as a growing sort of global tourism hub. And Annabelle, what do buyers of these properties, what are they after with, with this stuff? Because they're, they're paying a big premium, right? Sort of up to sort of maybe 30% premium for this. I think there's a multitude of reasons um, that attract buyers to branded residential projects. Um, I think in the first instance, it's fair to say that there are those who have a real affinity with a particular brand. Um, and you can even find that there are buyers that collect them. So they may have a number of different residences um, that may be part of the W or the Six Senses, for example, um, because it, it reflects how they want to live their life, the lifestyle that they choose, the services that they wish to have, the amenities. Um, and, and you sort of get those that collect them globally. Um, I think other reasons as well where you find people that are attracted to branded residential is perhaps where you've got buyers who understand that they are relatively time poor um, and they haven't got the ability to perhaps look after and manage a second or a third home, uh, wherever it might be globally. Um, and actually, they're attracted to the fact that they can have a, a residential home that they can lock up and leave, um, you know, when they choose to do so and something that's managed for them when they when they choose not to be there. Um, but then also potentially may even be able to put that back into, if it's attached to a hotel, put it back into a hotel inventory and rent that out to cover off some of the, the costs. Um, I think lastly as well, one of the huge straws is is a sort of comfort that having a brand above the door can give a buyer. Um, it's, you know, especially if they spent a lot of time in perhaps a hotel or they've got a particular affinity with, with a brand, if it's in the fashion sector or the automobile sector, um, and they've come to understand and to trust what that brand delivers, um, that can give them perhaps an added sort of layer of comfort in a country where perhaps they've only spent um, a limited amount of time or maybe even just travelled there on holiday. And, and so I guess it's fair to say that we're, we're, we're not really very often talking about people's primary residence here. I think you do have some buyers who, who would choose to have it as a primary residence, but they tend to, majoritively speaking, be those that are using it as a, as a second home or, or a, a place to spend some part of their time. Um, although I think also there's probably a bit of a shift happening as well in terms of how people will be using it um, with sort of the, everything that we've sort of experienced this year and, and the pandemic and, and perhaps actually having a bit of flexibility and spending more time in a more resort location um, also could be quite appealing to, 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 to potential buyers at the moment. I'm guessing here, frankly, Annabelle, because it, uh, it may not surprise you to know that this isn't my world. But um, are these people very brand conscious? I mean, you know, the, 
I, I know we don't really talk about badge branding anymore, but but are they the pe- sort of people who you know like the idea of entertaining in their apartment in a you know we keep coming up with Porsche? Rian, come give me another example which isn't Porsche, uh, uh, which which I could use. What, what, what what's the best one? Well, it could be Versace. It could okay, be uh, Ritz Carlton. Okay, well let, let's take Versace. Do people do, do, do people like the idea of of say say well we'll we'll get our friends around to our our apartment in the Versace building? I think I think where there's a, there's definitely differentiation is perhaps with the hotelier brands. If we begin with those, obviously what attracts people to a hotel brand, especially um, you know those that kind of lead the forefront of branded residential, so the Marriott Group or Four Seasons, who are very established, is that level of service. Um, you know, you can invite your friends around to a Four Seasons residence and benefit from the amenities there, but then perhaps also have a, a chef come in one evening to cook, perhaps to entertain your friends or be able to sort of order a la carte services. Um, and those that are familiar, obviously, with these very established hotel brands that have got a global profile, you know, they're recognized around the world um, and have, therefore, a huge sort of pool of international buyers that are used to staying in them, traveling in them, have come accustomed to the lifestyle that they offer within these hotels. Um, you know, I think what's a huge draw is obviously that they can really take that home and make that part of their everyday experience. Uh, Mandarin Oriental is a great example of where they really do um, go above and beyond to deliver you know, exceptional service to either their hotel guests or their in-house residents. Um, I think what's interesting about the, ho- about the fashion brands sort of jumping across to, to this sector is the fashion brands also resonate. You know, they can be um, really kind of merging into lifestyle brands. So it's also offering a particular design and the look and the feel of your residence. And yes, I think it is. It's a sort of, it's a statement about who you are, how you live your life in the same way as it would be for the clothes that you choose to adorn yourself with um, of a particular brand that you see that really um, speaks to the sort of your core values, if you like. You see, that's why Annabelle's a sales salesperson. It all makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> Ria, tell me, if, I'm laughing, but it's true, actually, you know, because you may have d- d- discerned a certain scepticism in my voice a little earlier, but I, I'm convinced. I, I, you've, you've, sold, you've sold the concept to me. Fantastic. Job Re- done. <laughs> Rianne, so you were talking, uh, sort of hinting that there were new players in the market and that and the, the people had come into this market. Who are these new players who, who, who are around now? I think what's quite exciting is that this is uh, a market that is so rapidly growing that the real big play here is about deploying new and different brands into that market. So in the hotelier market, we see existing players who are going to deploy in the region of 35 new brands into this sector in the coming three to five years. Wow. Now, when we look at the non-hoteliers, we're seeing 10 new brands coming in in that same period of time. And they range from fashion brands in particular. So Roberta Cavalli, uh, Gianfranco Ferre, Diesel, Missoni, Elie Saab. Uh, and then in the automotive industry, we're going to see Bugatti, Aston Martin, Lamborghini. Uh, in the food segment, we have Nobu coming through. Uh, and even in the celebrity uh, field, we have uh, Pharrell Williams, who's going to be branding up a, a residential scheme in Toronto. And, um, you know, I would imagine that there's going to be a number of other sectors that aren't seen yet fully represented that will come through. This is a way for a brand to 
to totally engage with their customer base and the public in a completely different way. And that's one of the main drivers for them. You know, there is a revenue play for them. They are gaining fees and royalties on the sales of the property. They're getting management fees. Um, they're getting uh, design fees. And also, in some cases, I'd imagine, Paul, that, you know, somebody with a with a slightly cheeky mind might think that actually this is a great thing for, for all these brands to be getting into because it's a much more stable income stream than what they do in their core, actually. Yes, I mean, that's, that's certainly been an advantage. And, yeah, I mean, for this reason, we're seeing even greater emphasis placed on the sector, particularly from the hoteliers who are looking to offset their exposure to hospitality, in you know what are very challenging times for the, for that sector. I've talked to a lot of the brands, especially the hotelier brands, over over this year, this incredible year, and um, one thing that's become clear is that the traditional hospitality model, or the economics behind the traditional hospitality model, is extremely vulnerable to what we're going through at the moment. Conversely. When you have a branded residential product within, whether it's with a hotel or without a hotel, the fees that are generated back to the operator still exist, whether there are tourists coming into the hotel or not. They're still paying their service charges or HOA fees, um, and those uh, receipts are still coming into the operator. So what you're seeing right now is a much greater focus from the, the major players uh, in terms of bringing forward branded residential products, because it's a way of diversifying their income profile. And Paul, on that, on on COVID, is that changing the market? Is that changing the way you know people in the industry are thinking and what they're developing? To some extent, um, I mean, so we, we ran a survey uh, earlier this year, a global survey that sort of asked, um, you know, what what buyers were, were looking for, and um, that reported that a third of those were expecting to see more interest from buyers uh, looking to upsize their main residence. So there's certainly a, a growing desire for space, um, particularly when we're seeing that increased home working um, happening. And, you know, that's going to impact the, the type of products in demand. It could also change the nature of locations in demand. Um, so resort schemes might receive a boost as people can sort of reallocate their time um, between different properties um, as, as and, one example and Annabel inside the the, the the developments inside the properties are people going to want sort of different things they're going to want different types of space or different ventilation or, or, or whatever absolutely I think we're already sort of seeing that there are certain things that are already changing um, in terms of um, having apps within residential schemes where you can essentially book spaces you know, within the amenities, be it the gym, so that you're not in a situation where there's too many people using the facilities at once, um, that there are going to be new uh, air filtration systems and the way that the flow of people around a residential scheme will be managed to make sure that um, social distancing is possible and easy to, to achieve. Um, I think also as well as, as Paul was sort of saying earlier, the outside space obviously is something that's becoming a priority for people in terms of whether they've got their own um, individual private terraces or gardens or actually being within perhaps a resort location, a branded resort location where you've got quite a large expanse of land that is enclosed within that development and obviously is managed by um, the, perhaps the adjacent hotel. What we're looking at here is we're looking at a, a, a sector of the industry with plenty of supply, uh, plenty of demand, ma- lots of growth coming, new players, etc. It's all very healthy. H- how far can it go? One of the things that's 
pretty amazing is that in the past 10 years, um, this sector has grown by 170%. It's almost trebled in 10 years. And this is arguably a niche element of the market. It's relatively discretionary. Um, but what has become clear is that there is uh, enough wealth and enough demand out there to, to, to supply the product. But there is certainly a, a movement towards uh, providing these products for more people. And that is a trend that I, I, I believe is going to continue. It will always be seen as uh, not exactly a mass market product, but it will be a, a product that will be more and more accessible. You touched earlier about, about medical. Whether one differentiates between medical and wellness, the combination of looking after yourself and what you eat, enjoying what you eat, but also um, that sense of wellness and well-being are going to be elements that, that are going to become increasingly important. And COVID has only highlighted those those trends. So, Paul and Annabel, um, we'll, we'll no doubt uh, end up talking about this again in a year's time. Just very briefly, uh, what's your sort of top prediction of, what, uh, of something that we'll, we'll, we might be talking about in a year's time, do you think, Paul? Um, I think the ever sort of broader global geographic expansion is is still going to be a hot topic i mean if you look at the the figures for the coming years 12 countries are going to get their first branded residence scheme in the next four years um cyprus and nigeria will go from zero to four each so we're really only still seeing the tip of the iceberg um when it when it comes to that sort of greater geographic diversity and that's that's only going to continue i think annabelle I think for me, you know, what I find fascinating is the new non-hotelier brands that are entering the marketplace, um, as Ray mentioned earlier. And I think what will be fascinating is is how they um, take up, you know, in terms of how they come into the marketplace against the traditional hotelier brands, which already have sort of been dominating it, um, and how buyers respond to it, um, and sort of and maybe even finding there are new buyers that are attracted to this segment of the market because of a particular brand that resonates with them that they're drawn to. Now, let's deal with the Savile Standout statistic. I know you've all you've all got one uh, as 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 required. It's 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 contractual obligation. You can't come on on uh, Real Estate Insights without coming up with a Savile Standout stat. Where should we let, I think I, I always like to start with the with the stats man or woman if, if, if when we have a stats woman. So Paul, you're the you're the you're the you know, research guru. What's your Savile Standout stat today? It's 31%. That's the average price premium of a branded residence over comparable non-branded properties. Um, that does vary quite a bit by location. So it's typically lower in mature markets where competition is higher uh, and location matters more, but it can exceed 100% in emerging markets. Um, Annabelle, what about you? Mine was that 10 new non-hotelier brands are expected to enter the sector by 2025. Yeah. Which is, it just shows how, how, what the potential is there. Uh, and Rian, what about you? What's your Savile standout stat? Well, it's really, um, it's, it's the 170%. It's standing back and looking at the, the, the global expansion of this sector and the fact that these have gone from uh, 10, 15, 20 apartments in a very niche context to, in some cases, thousands of apartments in single developments, particularly in the east where we see um, the greatest expansion. So standing back and looking at that that global picture, um, there's a long way still to go. Yeah. 
Brilliant. Do you know, I'm already looking forward to talking about this again in a year's time. I, I, I've got a sort of, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this subject. Thank you all of you uh, for your wisdom and for your time uh, today. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want to delve into the detail more, then I can highly recommend the Spotlight on Branded Residences report, which you'll find on the research section of the Savills website, savills.co.uk slash research. Have a good look around that. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.